Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who know that Delta 8 is not a flight number. Chris and the Riz. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 386. We're number two. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Jeff, the Riz Risden. How are you doing, brother? It is great to be number two this week. I feel so good about that. It is. I, I, I never thought it would be so great to, to be number two, but here, I'm, here I'm, we are. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> it feels great. If I'm still buzzing over the win. I'm still feeling good about everything that we saw on Sunday. It's uh, it's a great time to be a Lions fan. God, God, is it? All right, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Cardinals game a little bit. We are going to do an injury report a little bit. We'll talk about Campbellytics. We'll get into that a little bit more and uh, what that means. Talk about draft position. Should we be in panic mode? Because we're number two. Look ahead to the Falcons and a whole lot more. We've got a great show lined up. Riz, you ready to go, my man? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, first, foremost, and henceforth, I uh, want to get back to St. Jude really quick and say, hey, everybody, thank you. Thank you so much again. Uh, huge, huge thanks. We're at $38,261.47 on the year. Holy crow. That's yep. amazing. Yep. All the auction items are done, sent. Um, I have the group who got the, the Colorado Ski Home. I'm going to contact you guys today or tomorrow, I promise. I'm going to get you in touch and make that work. Everything else is in the mail. Should It's all scheduled to arrive before the big holiday, so hopefully that all plays out right. There's only one thing that wasn't paid for, the DeAndre Swift ball. I might just pay the fee and keep it for myself because it's a nice ball. Um, but with that... <laughs> With that, we've raised $65,903.16 in three years. Thank you, everybody, for all that's awesome that you've done to make this so so good and so great. So, speaking of great things, I want to review the game against the Cardinals. I don't, do you, did you know that we played the Arizona Cardinals this last Sunday, Riz? Uh, I've, I've heard rumors about that. Yeah, yeah. it was... Uh... It was it was it was quite the quite the shindig over at Ford Field. There was definitely some digging going on. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's it sounds like we might have done something like one thirty to twelve. Can you believe thirty to twelve over the Arizona Cardinals? Not a soul gave us a chance to beat those guys, and yet uh, it was it was stunning. It was it was glorious it was it was wonderful to be wildly wrong about predicting that game oh my god yeah <laughs> as i was and everybody was uh it's uh it's funny because uh when when we do the the you know we have to we pick with our our opposing wire editors at, at usa today wires and i talked to the cardinals wire editor and, and we did our thing and i've been on this podcast before so we got a pretty good rapport independently we came up with the exact same score prediction 34 13 arizona <laughs> like oh well nope <sighs> wrong <laughs> yeah that didn't that didn't fly i look 
I, I had two different predictions in the in the game preview. One was my brain, one was my heart, right? And yeah. and I basically put it together. I said Arizona had a short week. They did all of their prep for the Rams. That was the biggest game they had. If there was ever a trap game, a game set up to lose for a team, it was this game against the Lions for the Ram or for the Cards. They had a walkthrough because it was a short week. They never really had real practices. They had walkthrough practices, short week. Lions were super, super hungry. They came to Ford Field. It was absolutely that kind of any given Sunday scenario that I laid out. I don't want to say I predicted it. My heart did. <laughs> My brain didn't, right? I, I didn't put money on this one. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there were a few people who noted, uh, and it was from the Cardinals side more than the Lions side, that this wasn't going to be a trap game and that they were a little – I don't want to say nervous, but they were like, yeah, maybe like, like trepidation a little bit over what could happen to that team. And uh, the Lions, to their credit, were the aggressor and they never relented. They were the better team from the opening kickoff to the closing, whatever victory formation or whatever they did at the end of the game. (laughs) Uh, It was, yeah, they did. They did. It was, it was glorious, man. It was. There's no better trepidation than trepidation from your enemy. That's right. <laughs> it was it was as complete and thorough of a victory against any caliber of team that the Lions have had in a long time. And the fact that they did it against the team that was number one or number fighting for number one in the NFC, the first team in the league that got the ten wins, that that impresses me a lot. That's GMAC cash. Uh, yes, the Lions. The Lions. That's, the that's, that's the juice that we needed. Dan Campbell needed that. We as Lions fans needed that. Like, we, we've we tried to be as optimistic as we can, and we do like what we're seeing. And, you know, that's not fake. But it's it's tough when you're 1-11-1 to be like, oh, yeah, everything's great, man. It's, it's looking really good for the future. I mean, th- there needed to be some sort of – you know, some sort of carrot to eat instead of just, you know, seeing it and then getting beaten over the head with it as a stick. Yeah. Um, th- this was, this was a very tasty carrot to swallow. And I'm, I'm so glad that they, they, they pulled it off and it takes, it takes a lot of the pressure off of Dan Campbell. Now um, they're not the worst team in football anymore. We're, we're number two. Uh, that, that's glorious. It, and you know, just the fact that they did it against a good team and it was a well-coached game from the beginning to the end. Like, like did Arizona play good? No, they did not. That, that was not the best that you're going to get out of the Cardinals. But I think we saw the manifestation of what Dan Campbell has been preaching to the players and preaching to us as fans and what we in the media have been trying to filter out. Like, hey, this is why we're positive. This is what we see. We know we're close. We know we just need better players, to, and, and, saw, it, and it can work. We saw the Lions that Dan Campbell promised us in his opening presser. That's the team we saw out there. Yeah. And while the, the Cardinals didn't play like a top-tier team, let's be fair, the Lions didn't let them. The Lions didn't give well, them that's an exactly opportunity right, to. That's exactly right, Chris. That's exactly right. definitely outplayed the Arizona Cardinals, and this was, this was a signature win. I want to just give you some quick numbers here. Um, Lions coaches, since probably most of you started <laughs> following football, against teams that are five or more games over 400. Jim Schwartz, 0-10. Jim Caldwell, everyone's favorite, 0-8. Matt Patricia, 0-2. Daryl Bevel, 0-2. Dan Campbell, 1-0, baby. 1-0. That's huge. That's huge. He's one of uh, Daryl <laughs> Bevel being 0-2 and he coached five games. That's <laughs> 
That's harsh, man. (laughs) It's a rough one. Uh, That's from Stain Shady on Reddit and Honolulu Blues on Twitter. That's that. That's a great stat, and and that right there tells you, you know, what what's one of the big monkeys on the back of of all Lions coaches? Be somebody good. Yeah. Okay, we've done that now. Soundly, Um, it wasn't a last second field goal. It wasn't a yeah. It it wasn't a fluke. Like we dictated it. They were the they were the better team. You're right. They dictated the game. Yep. They they controlled the game script from the opening kickoff to the onside kickoff that didn't work. But the, the defensively, you know, but by the way, and this is something that we'll get into at some other point, I'm sure. They've done really well against mobile quarterbacks this year. Yes. They played very well against Lamar Jackson. They they stifled Kyler Murray very well. They've they've done a fair job against a lot of those guys. I like that defensive style they they seem to have a way to to control that and that that makes me that gives me pleasure chris absolutely no no i'm 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 with you i mean the thing about this game is and this is why you can't say the 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 cards came in and lost it the lions went out there in the first quarter and they dictated the game they took the the points they turned around. They played strong defense. Uh, they they pulled the the uh, onside kick out right right off the top again. And right away, what happened? It shook them. The, the The Cardinals, when they went at halftime, were entirely shook. Um, really quick, I want to talk about uh, Campbellytics because I've talked about it a little bit. I tweeted on it. You did. And, I liked it too. And so please, the end of the half of the first half is kind of just a uh, a canary in the coal mine for Campbellytics. What does it mean? What is it half? What's happening? And what's the result? Right? People all over the place have been yelling this year whether he's too aggressive or not aggressive enough or what. Oh, they love you. How aggressive he was. You know, people have been all over the map because they aren't used to this kind of coaching in Detroit. They haven't seen this before. Right now, Dan Campbell ranks fifth an optimal call percentage in situations where the numbers say go for it, okay? So if you go back to the end of the first half, the second quarter, 31 seconds left, it was fourth and one from the Cards 28, right? Around that time, you're looking at about a 63% chance of getting a first down and 65% chance of a field goal, okay? We went for the first down. Goff to St. Brown, got a first down, and then the next play was a 22-yard touchdown to Josh Reynolds that took us in at 17 to nothing at the half. It could have been right? It it could have been 13 to nothing, right? 17 to right. nothing means something a lot different. And those Cardinals when we pulled that out, again, were stunned. They didn't know what they were dealing with or how to deal with this Lions team because they're coached differently than most of the teams that they're playing. And the results are right there. Campbellytics, it's not a straight analytics play. Dan Campbell has a little bit of his gut in there, and this is the, the, the secret sauce. This is what makes it so special for the Lions. Campbellytics is, is the thing that's going to take this team. I'm telling you, this isn't like the, the Cincinnati Bengals of the 80s, right? <laughs> how nutty they were, the crazy plays that they pulled out of their ears. This is this is for real. This is something where a differentiator for this team. And again, finding these guys, these diamonds in the rough, these players, we'll talk about Will Harris in a bit. Um, these kind of players and what they can mean for this team means so, so much. This is this is really a groundbreaking year for the Detroit Lions. You know, I I just appreciate the aggressive like you're one eleven and one. You've got nothing to lose, literally. Yeah. Like why not? Um, you compare that and contrast that with what John Harbaugh has done in Baltimore, and his aggressiveness. I don't. I don't think he takes into account. We'll, we'll go to the end of their game real fast. Uh, they're playing the Packers. They're down by one. Um, they they score the, the the Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback, makes a great run, gets into the end zone. They decide to go for two. 
They're they're at home. They have the greatest kicker in NFL history. Uh, they have all the momentum. They scored the last two touchdowns of that game. Green Bay had, had – look, Green Bay was doing what they were going to do. But his evaluation was, I want to play for the win right now. And it's not necessarily that he made a bad decision there, but you got to take in the context. You've got your backup quarterback in. You you don't have your offensive line as set up. Your right tackle's out for the game. Um, and maybe that's why you go for it. But then you run a play, a low percentage play to that side that you're de- that clearly you hadn't practiced against a live bullet defense, um, and it failed and it costs them. Um, and that's the second time in three weeks like, they lost to Pittsburgh in the exact same way. Like like the, the whole analytics is great, and if you're following it, but you also have to have some some sense in your head of the context of what you're trying to do. And I thought that Dan Campbell did a great job of that with that end-of-half situation that you talked about. He understood the opponent that he was going against. He understood the assets that he had at his disposal, and he used them properly. And that, look, I'm not saying that Dan Campbell's a better coach than John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh has a Super Bowl ring. That guy's awesome. He's having a rough year, but he's all in all, he's, he's a really, really good coach. But the, I'm so encouraged that Dan Campbell is is having you know the blend, to, to use your word, Campbellitics, of having the analytical background, but also understanding what he's got and, and, you know, going with the gut and making the the right decision there. And that, that to me is, is look, Dan Campbell's taking a lot of crap from a lot of people about his play calling decisions, but I I think he's getting better at it. And that's very encouraging. And, and we saw the, the, it come to fruition against Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have, all right. Uh, for those watching the video, the video got a little funky. Sorry. We're just going to keep moving along as if nothing happened. And uh, I took I'm still alive. Out. Chris Chris has no picture. <laughs> that, that's actually why we were a little slightly delayed coming on because uh, Chris's camera broke. Um, it, we had it, it a power any, outage, what? and I think it might have tanked something, and I got to now go backwards and figure out what the heck went on. <laughs> what's, what's broken? <laughs> so anyway. That'll do it. This is where we are. Um, so, yeah. The the Campbellitics is strong. I, I would watch it. I think this is, as we've talked about in some of our other shows, this is a comparative advantage for the Detroit Lions. The way Campbell is going to call these uh, these these plays and call these games is going to be different than what we've seen elsewhere, different than what we've seen from from uh, other Lions coaches. And I want to really hit something here that's that's part of it. The Lions, just a reminder, they're only four fields field goals away from being second in the NFC North. Think about that. Four field goals. We've had high impact That's injuries, all, like tons and tons of injuries, tons of injuries, right? So much so, and and for so long that you'll you'll hear us play the uh, the Cardinals, and they'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins being out, and not even mention the Lions injuries because they're just it's just the way it is. It feels like we've been this way forever, and we have. Um, we got a first year coach, and then a wide receiver room less talented than OSU. That's from Jay Walter on Reddit. Um, and we're still just four field goals away. This is a sneaky good team, Riz. This is a team that when our players are, and you think about, we've got two first round picks this year. The draft is coming. We've shown some real talent at being able to draft players. Got, got some money to spend. We you, got we got we got assets, baby. You want a, a worst of first is Logan's. Yep, right there. Worst of first kind of story. I would put my money. You go down to Vegas, you get your DraftKings, whatever. This is this is the team I would bet on because, boy, we are way better than this worst team this year. And uh, we put some more talent in there. We've got money to spend in free agency, right? I mean, this is, this yeah. is, this is, this, we are way better 
of a team than the way things look today. Although, not it's hard to say after beating the Cardinals like that, right? But in, in totality, the way the year looks, we're a way better team than what that, that uh, record reflects. Yeah, uh, by and large, most of the games have been competitive. Um, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, um, Thanksgiving against Chicago are, are the, the big exceptions where, you know, it just – Mm-hmm. It just wasn't going to be your day, right? Um, uh, and and you know that that's going to happen to every team. Uh, it just happened to Arizona. <laughs> they're they're a Super Bowl contender. Uh, it it's look one of the things that that it, it's fun to watch the NFL this year because you have no idea what's going to happen. Like like I'll, I'll use the Browns as an example. Yesterday they played. If they won that game, they're the number four seed and leading the AFC North. They lost. They are now the number 12 seed and in last place in that division. It is so tightly packed. The margin for error is so big from top to bottom across both conferences, really. I mean, yeah, you got Green Bay and Arizona, and, and I think the Rams are going to win um, when they play in a couple of hours today um, and, and tighten that up. But, like, Dallas is good. But, like, the, the middle class, like, the Lions are so close to that. Four field goals. Um, I'm going to assume that two of those were the, the two that were made in, in Minnesota by, by Minnesota and Baltimore. Um, Pittsburgh would be another one. And then uh, there, there's one other game, isn't there? Where mm-hmm. they, but yeah, that's they're They're, they're much closer to being in that, in the tier with the Vikings and the Browns and um, uh, the Chargers, the Dolphins. Uh, they're, they're, they're a lot closer to those teams than they are, the Texans, the Jets, and the Jaguars, um, and the Giants, who are absolutely imploding. Um, by the way, Amon Ross St. Brown has a more productive year now than Kenny Galladay does for about <laughs> one-fiftieth of the salary. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. That is nuts. That is nuts yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think um, this team is is really poised. We're in a good position to move to move the the needle in the right direction next year. I'm yeah. I'm excited. Are they going to win the Super Bowl next year? No, nobody's nobody's predicting that. No one's putting that out there. But this team, and then again, we have two first round picks next year, which again, you package those picks together wherever we we wind up. If we pick fifteen. That's okay. We've got what fifteen and twenty probably, or fifteen and twenty five somewhere in there. You can package those up. You can move up. The other thing you is the, you got those 2023 20, picks. You can flip one of those right now this yeah. year if you want to move up from yeah. wherever the Rams pick or if you want to if you want to get real saucy and you know trade trade uh your number 5 pick, let's say, um and and next year's number 1 to go up and get the number 1 pick if you really want to have that number 1 pick. No problem. You got yeah. it. Yep. Do it. Yep. I think there's a lot to be done. So we got a lot of ammo, a lot of good stuff going on. Um I want to remind people this is I'll say this myself, but then, you you know, you can take it however you want. I don't give a rat's patootie what the league is saying about the Lions right now. People are like, oh, they're saying nice things about us. Oh, look at them saying nice things. I'm not the I'm not the girl in high school who's worried about what other people are saying, because I remember back when the beginning of the season was going on and they were showing Stafford flying out of Detroit, this dank asshole right? This terrible place. And he lands in LA and the sun comes up and it's all beautiful. And and it wasn't just about how great, you know, how lucky Stafford was to go to this good team and have a shot at really, you know, with a big winner. And it was also, let's kick the Lions and kick Detroit while they're down, while things are looking bad. F them, F them, F them. Well, no, F them. I don't care about the national media. I don't care what they're saying. They can say nice things. They can say mean things. They're just as ignorant both ways. I don't 
care and folks shouldn't care. Don't give them the time of day. Don't give them, don't give it to them. Stick with your Justin Rogers, lion's wear, right? Good, good quality people who actually know what they're talking about rather than the stupid national narrative of garbage that doesn't give an F about you, the lions, and they really don't know anything about them either. So I'm sorry. I just don't care. And th- and that's, that's more where I get onto it is you, you will find some national people who understand what's going on in Detroit, but you will find a lot more of them who are clueless, mm-hmm. who, who just don't, they, they don't understand, um, quite frankly, they don't understand the plan. They don't understand the collaborative effort of the team. Um, they don't, they don't understand that. Okay. They're not, they weren't trying to win this year. Uh, and I think most people in Detroit um, have finally figured out that, yeah, they weren't trying to win this year, folks. This, this, they knew this was the start. This was year zero. This was not year one. And we're seeing that climb where year one is probably going to look a little bit better than you might have thought it was based on what we've seen over the last six weeks where they're two, three, and one. They have a better record in the last six weeks than the Baltimore Ravens do. That tells me that they're moving in the right direction. They're a competitive football team. They're undermanned. They're injured. They're they're battling COVID right now. Yeah. But they're scrapping and they're figuring out how to win. What's what's the what's the mantra? Of, uh, we'll go back to the Pistons back in the day when when uh, they got to figure out they have to get past the Bulls or they have to get yeah. past the Celtics in the playoffs. Um, and they did that. It, it took them a couple of years, but they figured it out. And then they had they and they had their nice run. And then Jordan needed needed to go through the Jordan rules and to, and to figure out how to win in the playoffs. Like and it, it happened that way. And then it you know the, the tide changed there. This Lions team is on the come up side of that right now. They're learning how to win. I think it's great that they're figuring it out um, on the fly with a lot of guys, a lot of young guys who normally wouldn't be playing are getting chances to prove that they can be part of a winning team in the NFL. That to me, that that's so much more impressive and important than, than like the Texans beating the Jaguars this past weekend with, the, with one of the oldest rosters in the league. Uh, and uh, the Davis Mills starting a quarterback instead of Tyrod Taylor skews that down a little bit. They're playing Danny Amendola. You know, they're playing Brandon cooks. They're playing guys that aren't going to be part of that team in two or three years when they hope to be contending like the lions, like you're seeing, you're seeing guys out there, you know, playing significant roles who can be part of that. And that's one of the things that excites me. And that's, that's why it was so nice and so rewarding to get that win because now those guys, now those guys, you know, the guy, the Craig Reynolds of the world, the Tommy Kramers of the world, they're starting to feel like, Hey man, I, I can, I can be part of this. That's, that's, that's it. That's rare in the NFL that you get a chance to be from ground zero like that on a team that has something that, that they're building towards and, and that you see that you could be part of that and that you get to play a little bit of a role in that early on. That's so special. I, I can't stress that enough. I can't tell you how important that is for agents of young players. Um, and you hinted at this in, in, our, in the Slack conversation. I believe you hinted at it on Twitter too. Like, they're going to see that, and you're not you're not going to get the the the, the ring whores at the end of their career, but you're going to get those guys that are looking like, hey, you know what? If it's between you know taking seven point five million from Minnesota or eight million from Detroit and and joining the rising tide instead of the, the boat that's taking a lot of a lot of water, Detroit's going to have that advantage because the, the the because of what you're seeing right now because they're letting those guys play and prove themselves. 
that's that's doing a lot of favors to a lot of agents, and you better believe that that does mean something to them. Yeah, I mean, guys that go out and ring whore, and and, and I don't blame them, yeah. right? Who I don't who, either. Who I don't. I, I don't. I'm not saying there's anything wrong right, with that. Right, not right. at all. But you got you have those guys. There's only so many places they can go, and you have a you know there's a limited quantity of those guys that can go along. There's a lot of really good players out there that aren't. And can't get to that that team, and so they go other places. And you look at a, I mean, like Michael Gallup's one. He's a, he's a great opportunity out there in free agency, right? He's a guy they can see the Lions as a potential place. You know what? I can get I can get a three or four year deal. I can ride this team to greatness. And you know, the team's I can obviously be a big on the contributor on this team. And the, oh, by the way, Dallas the Lions are on the upswing. Pay him. The Lions are on the upswing. <laughs> I can ride that train. I can be a contributor, but I can also get credit beyond my ability to sign my next contract when you run when you hop on a train like that and the team goes up you do better not just for yourself but you also benefit from the rest of the people you're surrounded with including those coaches this becomes a place where free agents want to go rather than a place where i've just got to settle for it so it's a it's a real interesting place that the lions are in that they haven't been in in recent memory yeah all right uh let's see let's see looks like we have our kicker I think at this point we can yeah. we can settle in. We've got a guy that we can believe in. And it looks like we got a quarterback too, nominated for the FedEx player of the week, my friend. <laughs> Offensive air player of the week, what do they call it? <laughs> uh, the FedEx air player of the week. They have the air and the ground. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I'm disappointed that Craig Reynolds was not nominated for the ground player of the week. But uh, so, come on, such Craig. As you have to do it again. I know, though. right? Now you have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> do it again. Uh, Goff, Goff has played some really impressive football of late, and there are any number of discussions we can have on why that's happening. I'll just say it's very nice to see, and I kind of explained this the other day, I like the fact that I am now seeing and trusting more in Brad Holmes and his eye for quarterbacks because – for most of this season, what we've had from Brad Holmes and his eye for quarterbacks was bad Jared Goff and god-awful Tim Boyle. I'm like, these are the guys that he wanted at quarterback, and that, that scared the hell out of me. It should have scared the hell out of everyone. Now we're seeing, okay, this is what Brad. This is why Brad Holmes wanted Jared Goff. It doesn't mean that he's the long-term solution. I am certainly not there yet. But I am at least more understanding and more appreciative that Brad Holmes might know what he's doing and looking for a quarterback at some point, because I absolutely was not until about three weeks ago. <laughs> well, I remember at Miller's, right? You guys. That, that, we talked about it there. That's right. That's you guys nice. thought I was nuts. You acted like, oh, Chris, here he is again, right? With his school aid. I'm like, you guys got to wait till he gets no. A couple people around him. We haven't seen Reynolds, and we see the results in the work that Campbell and and Ben Johnson have been doing since the bye week. These things haven't come to fruition. You haven't seen real golf. You've seen handcuffed golf. He's not, and and, and I, I said he's not. He's not the guy that's going to take your team to victory. But he's also. Not as bad as everyone thought. Everybody wanted to just throw him out. And that was the wrong thing to do at that point. It was, I knew it was. And we have to see, we talked about it from the draft, right? We're evaluating Goff as a potential for the long term with this team. And then we gave him nothing insofar as weapons. And then the ones he had injured. Look, Tyrell Williams and Quintez Cephas as your number one and number two is a shit wide receiver room. It is. It's garbage, right? I mean, comparatively in the NFL. Not saying they're terrible guys or they're bad receivers, but if they're your number one and number two, are you in trouble? Oh, yeah. 
both gone. Week two, both gone week two, was it, or week three? They, they didn't make it past three weeks. Goff didn't have any weapons, and that's the thing. So it doesn't, I mean, could did Stafford carry us with Chris Durham and, and Calvin? He had Calvin, right? I mean, that's the thing. We talk about all the wins that he got us. He had Nate Burleson. He had Golden Tate. He always had a guy that had to help him kind of, you know, help him carry the team. He was a guy that could definitely get you wins. Jared Goff can get you wins, but he needs help. He needs help, right? Yes, he does. And we gave him zero. And then we evaluated him on why doesn't, you know, it's like saying quarterback wins are a stat, right? (laughs) Well, (laughs) they're not. And this is why not, right? Because he's out there and you see him with nobody. And all of a sudden you get Reynolds on the team. What does Reynolds do? Oh, well, he can kind of. He can stretch the field a little. He can he can start getting Amon Ra open, and Amon Ra can start playing because they have to cover somebody down the field, right? Oh, look, all the checkdowns are gone. Why? Because you can put somebody down the field because you have some weapons that give him the options. And I'll go back to the uh, the offensive coordinator. You have somebody who isn't targeting only Hawkinson and only Swift with his plays with no checks, period. That's, I mean, people saying he's staring down, staring down, because that was the play calls. And I know, I know it was the play calls because I know somebody who knows directly let, what they let me, let me ask you this, Chris, because this is something that, that came up on Sunday in a discussion that I had. Um, I watched the game in public, and I had this discussion with, with somebody that I was with. Um, is Jared Goff playing better because DeAndre Swift isn't there as like, oh, oh I, I know I'm going to be able to get, you know, three or four yards with this guy. I know what he's going to do. Um, I'll take the I'll take the low, the lower reward, lower risk play because I know that it's there rather than trying to get more down the field because no. it's an interesting theory. And I don't like, I, I get it, but I also know that you don't win without having your best players on the field. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's not it. it it's a, so much of these things are, are, um, uh, coincidental timing, right? Yeah. Swift going down in the ascent of golf. It wasn't, Swift. It was literally the play calls were all to Swift and Hawk because your offensive coordinator didn't trust the rest of the guys either. He saw what you had with Amon Ra. Well, Amon Ra couldn't get open because there was nobody to move the field. No one had to cover further than eight yards downfield to keep the whole entire um, wide receiver core, you know, uh, uh, blanketed. You never had Mm to. Now you're starting to open that up. Now you're seeing a change. He checked down because number one, Goff was the guy, and he had no one that could go deep. And number two, Goff was the keyed-in player on those plays. It was Goff and Hawkinson. I'm telling you, 90%, 80% of the plays were literally for one of those two with no checks. Just go there because it'll be open quick, period. I'm telling you. And you go back and look at it, and you'll see. If you watch it, you'll say, yeah, I guess so. That's right. That's why he wasn't looking off anybody. You can see. Slow lights is great. And I got to, you know, again, yes. Sandman 7773 on, on YouTube. Check out his channel. His slow lights are the best. I want you to watch Goff's head. And I want you to, he, unfortunately, there's no slow lights from earlier in the season because they didn't win. But you would see him stare down the receiver. But what you'll see now in the last couple of weeks, you watch his head. He's he's not looking off anybody. Okay. He's not super, you know, uh, no look pass guy fooling anybody. But you're now seeing him check one, two, Three, he's checking his different options on the field. Why? Because the plays are allowing him to do that. Um, it's just, again, Jared Goff is not an absolutely horrible quarterback. He's not a superstar, right? He's not Patrick Mahomes. But he's absolutely serviceable. And you can watch some of the things you can see. You can just see how the play is called, what the play is set to, and he will tell you with how he's checking his options downfield. It, yeah. I, I agree with that. It is interesting, though, that he's forced to use different weapons more now 
with Hawk gone for the year and with Swift, uh, I'm not going to say that he's out for the year because we don't know that yet, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we don't see him for the rest of the year. Um, it's forced him to, I, I, I do think that there is a little bit something to it that it's forced him to maybe expand his vision a little bit and maybe put more trust into those players. You're absolutely right, though. The, the play calling dynamic has changed. The play structure, the, the mm-hmm. pacing of the offense, all that has changed and it's changed for the better. Yep. And it needed to. The other thing, and Goff has talked about this and, and Campbell has hammered it. Uh, uh, it's something that, that, a lot of the coaches and players have brought up the attention to detail that they're paying in practice now has amped up considerably from the beginning of the year. And I don't know if that's because Anthony Lynn isn't as hands-on. I don't know if it's just something that Dan Campbell like realized that it had to have happen. I don't know if the players realize like, Hey man, I, we got to figure this crap out, but that is also getting better. And, and unfortunately I haven't been to Alliance practice in, in some time. So I, I haven't been able to witness it firsthand myself, but yeah, it's e- it's it's easy to see that Amon Ra is running the routes the way that they're designed to be run when and where they're designed to be run. You're seeing Josh Reynolds understands that he understands the the spatial aspect of playing football at wide receiver. Um, I, I'll give Brock Wright some credit. He's not playing great football. But he is where and when he needs to be where and when he needs to be as a route <laughs> runner. That makes like that makes such a difference. Um, you watch if you watch the Bears game last night, um, on, on Monday night. Yeah, was, yeah, that was Monday. It was Tuesday. Yeah. This whole it's it's wacky. <laughs> they had a lot of receivers that weren't where and when they needed to be, and it gave Justin Fields problems. It throws off their entire offense. It throws off where he's looking for. It adds extra defenders where they're not supposed to be when you design the plays. The Lions were doing that earlier in the year. They're not doing that now. That's progress. Whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, the players coming to that epiphany on their own, I don't really care. I like it, and it's working. I'm happy. I will tell you. <laughs> I, I, I can only, you know, I, I – Christos, there was Sometimes. yeah, there was the coaching was highly unprepared prior to the change. We'll put it that way. Uh, there was a lot of missing pieces in practice. Were um, some of those places I with only ten people on the on the whiteboard, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> There's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Yeah, yeah that, it was. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It was. And and I'm telling you, the people that said that Dan Campbell shouldn't be making playing call play calls. You 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 recall I <laughs> I disagreed vehemently with that. I, 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 I the only place where I thought there was a problem with Dan Campbell making play calls is because he's a new coach, and you know it's always. I think about it like this. There's always a Karen out there and you always need someone for Karen to escalate to because she, she always needs a manager to talk to. If you put the, the, the store manager out there, then she's talking to him. Well, I need to talk to you. Well, I am the manager. Then give me corporate, right? They always want to escalate over somebody's <laughs> head, right? You don't put the top person out there doing it because you have no options at that point, right? I mean, it's a silly, it's a silly kind of, um, an, an, an it works but, though, man. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So if Dan Campbell, especially that early in the season, didn't find success, Right. He kind of he kind of painted himself in a box. That's the part that that gave me pause with with him calling plays. But with Ben Johnson and him working together the way they have with the rest of the staff. And I know the rest of the staff is working with him as well. They've built plays. They've changed the parts of the book. They've added plays and the results are coming. And they you know, they've, they've been coming in. You can't just snap your fingers and make those kind of changes. Those things evolve. What does that mean? 
well, if we have an internal person who winds up being next year's offensive coordinator, well, you're going to you're you're probably going to see a really really good partnership begin redesigning that playbook starting day one of the postseason, right? And you have people who know what they're doing together and working together and finding success together with some of their divine, what of what they're designing and testing. I have a sense that they're A-B testing. I don't have an inside source in this, but I have a sense they're A-B testing some of the play design right now. I think they're kind of looking at how things work, you know, A versus B, and they're going to use that information to help design what things look like next year if the offensive coordinator next year is an internal hire. And uh, I, I think most of us have come to the conclusion that Anthony Lynn will not be back. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's that's a big secret. I think that's that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about um, in January and February is who's going to be the new offensive coordinator. And while I'm impressed with what we're seeing, I still want – I still think it's a good idea to go outside the organization here and bring in somebody with, with a different perspective and different eyes um, and, and, and blend it together. Now, obviously, there's some risk in that because you're bringing in somebody else that might not blend well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things – that's one of the issues that you have when you're bringing a staff together in in the manner that the, the Lions had to do fairly quickly mm-hmm. with a rookie coach and who doesn't late. have – fairly doesn't, Yeah. yeah. You, you're going to have guys that don't fit. and that That's not their fault. That It's it's Okay. Like, not everybody's going to stay together all the time. It just doesn't work that way. Like, it's okay that Anthony Lynn didn't work out as your offensive coordinator. It's better to figure it out and move on than let it fester and, and try to make it work. No, that, that, that that's what bad teams do. And that doesn't that, mean Anthony Lynn's bad at football or a bad exactly, person or that, any yeah, of those things. Yes, right? thank you. That, 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 that's, that's the point that I was supposed to be getting to. <laughs> um, so thank you for, for leading me in that direction. It doesn't mean that he's a bad bad at his job or a bad guy. It means he's a bad fit with Dan Campbell. And you know what? That's okay. Like, I, I wish him well. I hope he winds up finding on his feet somewhere else um, because he's he is a good man. He is a good coach. It's just not a good coach for the Detroit Lions offense right now. That You've had it's enough just not of that shit. What they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and he won't be the only coach that's gone this year because it's not a great, you know, culture fit or or personality fit with with Dan Campbell and that's okay I would much rather them make that change rather than again let it fester let it linger and then you're looking like why is this guy still here why why do we complain so much about Jim Caldwell because he didn't fire people who were bad at their jobs under him and they dragged him down and he he stayed loyal to them that was stupid on on Caldwell's part and nearly cost him his job I I would say it did in the end well, it did, but remember that it wasn't the he's got to go or you're going with him, but it was pretty darn close to that, the, the trip home from London yeah. Yeah. Um, with uh, with the offensive coordinator back in the day. like And, and Jim Caldwell took great pain in, in that. Like, like, and I know Dan Campbell's going to you know not feel good about having to let a, a good guy in Anthony Lynn go, but at the same time, they're smart enough to understand that, you know, not all ships travel in the same direction at the same time. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to find a different way. And I, I am encouraged that they are working on that now in the season and trying it. And to your point, A, B testing what's going on with the players. Like maybe we find something with players and coaches clicking that the coaches together click. I, I think there's a solid core of coaches in this, in the, on this team that will be back. And then they're going to fill in holes with guys that, 
you know, maybe maybe it's a guy that Aaron Glenn knows really well, or maybe it's a guy that Dan Campbell worked with in Miami or played with when he was in Dallas or something like that, who who comes in and 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 offers a different perspective. So that's going to be something to watch. We're, we'll talk a lot more about that in the offseason, but that that's a little bit of a a prep on on what's going to happen this. Like it's not a bad thing that fi- the coaches are going to get fired, and, and like to, to your point, it's not a reflection on them necessarily that they're a bad coach. They're just they're just not the right coach for Detroit. Absolutely, and I mean it's such a mature take, Grizz. You're not crying over an un- unemployable special teams coach who ran out and did dumb crap on his own, who half the team on the field <laughs> that happened they one were year ago uh, yeah. today, by the way. Yep, yep. <laughs> That came up on my on my uh, feed guy. because uh, I, I wrote about that, and uh, it was one of the most viewed articles of last December. He's such a superstar, <laughs> working nowhere. All right, um, so let's move on. The, we got the FedEx Player of the Week. We got the His dad goals. won't even hire him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you get your analysis. You get your analysis. You can take it where you want it, where you get uh, it from. Right. I, I, I remember the interaction I had with a high school head coach on that, and it's not it's not the Zealandese high school head coach. It's another one that I'm a friend with, and he asked me what happened. I'm like, he went rogue from his head coach, and, and he's he's like, I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm done supporting him. Yep, yep, done. <laughs> Next. <Bye. laughs> um, yep. Really quick, John Paul Morrison, Jean-Paul, sorry, Morrison, uh, I love the cheers Goff got when he came back in after he went out after the low hit. He's definitely gained more fans as of late. I got to tell you, absolutely. I was yes. I was very heartened. He earned that. <laughs> yes, when I saw that. And, you know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, of course, in the moment, fans are where they are. Arizona, and, and this, I want, I, I want a sense check, Riz, because I, I, I you know, I, I, my heart and my brain sometimes go in different directions, and I think my brain's got this. Did it feel like Arizona was really losing a little bit of control and taking the frustration out in late hits on Jared Goff? Did did, did that feel that way, or was I just being overly sensitive? I, I think I think the the second roughing the passer call was that. I, I think the third was more of a guy just trying a little too hard uh, okay. to, to do something. Fair enough. They, I, I do think that they were frazzled. I think that their frustration showed. I don't think that their coach necessarily reined them in the way that I, I would have liked him to. But you know, I, that, that that's their problem. That's not our problem. That's fair. No, I need, I needed that sense check because I was, like I said, my heart and my brain were in two different places, and I need to find out where they were. I, I don't think any of those hits are going to get fined. Um, if, if that's if that's where you go yeah. with it, you know, if that's if that's your arbiter of like. You know, was it dirty? Were they frustrated? Was it was it cheesy? Was it cheap? I mean, yeah, but like we're, we're gonna we're you're gonna see plays like that. Like we've seen yeah. Trey Flowers make that exact same play, so I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna dog them for that. Okay, look, it, it's it's tough to lose to Detroit when you go in as thirteen and a half point favorites and you're getting your ass kicked. Yeah, you probably are gonna feel a little salty about it, and maybe you'll take that out a little bit. I wanted I wanted Chicago to win so bad so that Chicago and Minnesota fired their coaches this year. <laughs> we can watch both of them go it through that. It could still happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, little birdie said something. Um, My God, Matt Nagy last night. That that was, he was the guy for who, his life. Who, he was coaching for his he, life there. And I, I will say, he. I think it, it was like it was like watching Stan Van Gundy when he wanted to get tossed from Pistons games. Um, <laughs> like he wanted out of that game so badly. And they didn't eject him. It was it was kind of fun. Like like you've seen if you if you follow the NBA at all, you will know that there are games where Greg Popovich is like, you know what, I'm done with this crap. Um, I've had enough of this shit to play the, the sounder. Like, and and he will try to get thrown out. It's almost like he's going up to the ref and saying, 
you're going to toss me and I'm going to make this a little bit more animated than it needs to be. Like, like he has that relationship. You saw that with Matt Nate. Like he's like, please throw me out of this game. So it's <laughs> not do my I fault have to do. No, I think he was coaching for his life. He knows how bad it was. If he would have been able to pull that out, maybe he felt he could have, you know, gotten a spark from the team. It was just, it was just actually humiliating in the end. It was so funny. <laughs> it was just bad. Uh, plan B. I hope the bears don't fire Nagy. Yeah. You and me, you and me both. I mean, I'd love them all to hold on to their coaches for another year. Yeah, um, he gone. <laughs> Mike Holloman. Mike Holloman. I hate to say this, but I don't see a ton of uh, free agents, wide receiver talent come upcoming this year, mainly because most of the teams will re-sign their guys. Chris Godwin's a great example that you have there, Mike. With that injury, he may not get re-signed. An ACL. They, this they can't mm. afford to keep him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough. That, one. That's the other thing. Like like Allen Robinson, the Bears cannot afford to keep him. Um, if if they do some other things that they need to do, that they have they have some outs. They can certainly get rid of Nick Foles. I don't know why he's still on the team. They they have some ability to create some space, but like Dallas, there is no way in hell that Michael Gallup is going back there unless they cut Amari Cooper. And then guess what? You can get Amari <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> yeah, and Kirk Kirk's out there running around. I mean, there's 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 definitely opportunities. Not that I'm all I'm super high on him. Jarvis Landry won't be back in Cleveland at his salary. Look, that's a, that's a lower end guy. But I I Amon Ross St. Brown compares so much to a young Jarvis Landry to, to be able to get juice in into Detroit. Uh, look, he's not the player that he used to be, but he can still play. That that's one where you've got the mentor in there, and he can also exactly. he's versatile enough that he can do a lot of things to help your team. Yeah. That that that's one to watch this offseason. Yeah. It's the player coach role, right? The veteran yep. player coach kind of thing. All right, yep. uh, let's see. I think we got that all covered up. Let's really quick hit cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. Please. Help us fix our camera. It's humiliating to sit here without a camera working. I mean, we have to do this. We're still doing the show, but you need to go get CBD. At least it didn't CBD. freeze with your tongue out. I know. <laughs> you get that CBD. They give us a little kickback. You can use Lions as your coupon code, 55% off. What a great deal. Uh, active CBD is good in all 50 states. If you used to use the Delta 8 and you, you can't anymore, Active CBD is a place to go. It's it's legal everywhere. Delta 8 is still great. That's available. And then the regular CBD, just for pain, anxiety, and insomnia. Take care of yourself. Take care of your head. Take care of your body. And have a little fun over your break. CBD.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. And, and I have talked to guys who, you, who got the Delta 8 and the other stuff from – uh, Diamond CBD from our, our place where we're working with and then got it locally from another place and unanimously I haven't had anyone tell me that the stuff they get is better I've had a few people say yeah it's comparable but I've heard a lot of people say not as good not as good this Diamond CBD I'm telling you we we work with our our friends to make sure that we have great products for you guys cbd.detroitlinespodcast.com okay with that let's do the Diamond CBD injury report and analysis Jared Goff has the coof what in the heck is going on <laughs> Jared Goff uh, and Matt Nelson, uh, the third tackle, tested positive yesterday. Um, Goff, um, so, so the NFL, excuse me, wow, the water is really hitting hard. Um, I want everyone to notice I didn't say Goff has the cough. Somebody's going to do that, and it's way too easy, just so you know. Go ahead. That That is easy. That's easy and cheesy. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> You just put the process whiz on top of it. (laughs) The NFL changed their protocols where asymptomatic players aren't necessarily tested. Goff reported symptoms um, Sunday night into Monday morning, and then they tested him, and they did find out that he had COVID. He is vaccinated, which means that if he becomes asymptomatic and produces one negative test before 
Sunday morning, and I forget when the cutoff is, but it's fairly close to game time, he will be able to play. He cannot practice until he produces a negative, but uh, the, he's he's got the ability to get back. So it's not necessarily that he will be out. He doesn't have to wait 10 days or anything like that. Um, he, he confirmed that he is vaccinated. Nelson's status, I don't know if he was also symptomatic. He didn't do a radio interview today, so we don't know that yet. But uh, there's a chance there's a chance for Goff to be back, and, and he described it as like a mild cold, um, slight discomfort, so no, nothing serious. He says he feels fine. He actually played through the flu uh, two weeks ago, and he said he felt a lot worse for that. So, um, and that's so that's where that is with with Goff and Nelson. Um, Jamal Williams is back from the COVID list. What's interesting, we're so we again we do not know the vaccination status of the players unless they tell us or you read the context clues. Jamal Williams never had a symptom, but he did test positive, and he guess what? He missed ten days, which means he's probably not vaccinated. So uh, the good news with that, he's got a 90-day window now where he can test positive and it won't matter because he's got enough of the virus load in him. Uh, that's, I think that's where we're at. The, the, like Corey Ballantyne is still on the, the COVID list. I think there's a couple of other defensive backs. I think Mark Gilbert is still there, or he might be back. I don't know. It, it, it's wacky. But uh, COVID, not necessarily the injury list. They are separate designations. Um, injuries... We'll go to injuries. DeAndre Swift, Dan Campbell called him both week-to-week and day-to-day in the same sentence yesterday. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Uh, his shoulder is not good. Uh, he's missed three games in a row. We've seen what Craig Reynolds can do. We're getting Jamal Williams back. Jamar Jefferson is still out there. He did not have a very good game Sunday, but it's still got some promise to him. Very different style of back. I don't know if we're going to see DeAndre Swift play again this year. Uh, and, and again, that, that's just my speculation on it. Um, I, and, uh, I'm speculating that I don't know because I don't know. I don't, I, quite frankly, I don't think they know yet. I think they're, they're toying with the idea. They want to see how he progresses this week. And if he's good enough to play, like, okay, it's three weeks. You know what? Well, let's see how he fits in with this new look offense, with the, 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 the way that the offense has changed since he departed. Um, can, does he integrate back into that? Does putting him back in there does that validate my friend's thesis that that him being out is a is you know the the golf's a worse quarterback when he has him in the game? Um, I I, I kind of think that the Lions would like to know that. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think that they're ready to rule him out yet. Um, having said that, now they'll they'll probably put him on IR before we finish this this recording because that's that's the way things work. <laughs> but he he's 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 rough, and and the other one obviously Hawkinson gone for the year now. That's frustrating. Um, I don't think we lost anybody else for the season. Um, Jonah Jackson was was a COVID guy, um, not an injury guy, so that 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 could resolve itself. We didn't really see any like like other seri- There weren't any other serious injuries that I'm aware of from Sunday or that I'm thinking of. Anyways, can you think of any that happened during the game? No, not off the top of my head. I can't. I, I'm like Godwin Iguibuike, um I hope that he hurt his hands when he fumbled because uh, that otherwise that's that's really not good for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. God. Oh, Anz- Anzalone. We forgot. Oh him. my god, how do we forget uh, Captain yeah, Anzalone? Uh, the luscious hair. Uh, Alex Alex Anzalone has I forget what they said the shoulder it's a it's a shoulder injury that will require surgery. That will be the fifth time since high school that that particular shoulder will need surgery. 
that's not good for a guy who's what 29 30 years old like he, he, he well he's probably not that old he played he played at, at Florida with Jared Davis so he's probably 28 29 that's that's tough man look pro football focus hates Alex Anzalone and he did not have a consistently good year but that guy played his balls off yeah. and did a good job and got better and he made one of the things that he does He's one of those guys that's going to make players around him better, perhaps at his own expense on game film. And I, I have an appreciation for guys like that. And I'll tell you another guy that's, that did that for a while with the Jets and with the Browns. Demario Davis did that. Devondre Campbell's another guy like that. Like he he's gonna he's gonna show up late on film at times because he's covering for other people's mistakes and it's gonna make it look like it's his. Devondre Campbell's an All Pro this year. Demario Davis was an All Pro for the Saints last year. Um, playing next to, to Alex Anceloni, like that kind of guy, I have a real appreciation for that. I have a very strong appreciation for what Alex Anceloni brought to the Detroit Lions. And if his Lions career is over, thanks, dude. You did, you know what? I'm, I'm going to remember you fondly. He absolutely. He brought a lot. He brought a lot. He did. He did. He, he left it all on the field. That's one of the things that I absolutely loved about everything that he did. 100% effort every damn play. Yeah. <laughs> it means a lot, man. It means a lot. And um, I know Dan loves it. And 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 beyond just what he gave uh, in, in doing that, the fact that he uh, helped build the culture with that mentality, that's one of the key pieces to that. Just beyond what he did this year and, and what he added – the the idea and the piece that he did where he um he he helped build this culture to where it is was was really really important so there we you go hear something my cats are fighting just down here you know, you don't hear that they're, they're going at it. <laughs> all right meow um let's see what else do we got here um got the injury report uh lions signed a guy named craig reynolds I think the fact that he's a restricted free agent kind of means something, Riz, but I don't know nothing about nothing. Why don't you tell us all about it? Hey, they so Craig Reynolds had rushed for almost 200 yards. Um, for, he was a practice squad elevation both week. He wasn't technically part of the team. He's now part of the team. Um, he took Anzalone's spot when Anzalone went on to injured reserve. They signed Craig Reynolds for the remainder of this season he also um, now is locked in through 2022 because he is he is not a restricted free agent. He's an exclusive rights free agent at the end of the season. There is some confusion because there were some reports out there that said that he signed through the 2022 season. I'm going to tell you that that might not be accurate. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, but it does mean that he will, in fact, be with the Detroit Lions. Uh, he has no intention of going anywhere else. Um, and look, exclusive rights for agents. It's one of those. Yay. Okay. You're back. Nay. Okay. You're gone. Like that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's a discussion. Um, he will be back in 2022. Um, he has been so good. So good. He is a guy. Look, he's not the fastest. He runs a four, six. Um, and it showed because he got, he got ran down from behind pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, in the Arizona game, that guy goes where the hole is supposed to be and he gets there fast. He gets there with authority. He gets there with vision. He gets there with balance. That's the kind of running back that you need. Uh, Jamal Williams is the same sort of running back. He's filled in for Jamal expertly. I love it. 
I'm so happy for him. This is this is one of the guys. Look, th- this was this was the preseason wonder kid, the one that like, oh yeah, everybody everybody loves Greg Reynolds in the preseason because he you know he torched the Steelers and he torched the Colts in the preseason. And th- then you sort of forget about him, and, and he came back to Craig's credit. He stuck. He may have had chances to be on other practice squads and and decided to, to stay in Detroit. And look what's happened. Two games. He's only Billy Sims rushed for more games in his first two games as a Detroit Lion than what Craig Reynolds did. Yep, yep. There you go. And and so it, happy for that, as yeah. as <laughs> as we said, the fact that we sign him like this as a restricted free agent and have him on the on the on the squad this way means we get him. He can't be stolen without a fight, and it means right. that we're going to get him for a good price. So we've we've protected him. We've protected our wallet at the same time. I think it's, it was a great move. And and Craig Reynolds gets a shot he's on a roster in the nfl he he wins as well this is this is good he's he's a likable guy too i mean his personality is such he's such a, a he really personality. is um, I mean, there there's a very 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 good chance he will be joining this podcast after the season is over <laughs> speaking of great things after the season is over thanks for that riz um <laughs> you, you should check about 45 about an hour ago the the senior bowl uh Credentials came through. Uh, okay, <laughs> good times. Really good times. Yep, yep. Hmm, let me let me pull up the email here. <laughs> so for whatever reason, I I have a uh, I have an Android phone, and my my Gmail notifications are not working on it. Mm, so it looks like my screen. It up right now. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Um, All right. While you, while you do that, I want to talk about I, this. I'm, I'm looking right now. I, I haven't gotten anything yet. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Whoa. It's in my spam. It's in my spam folder. Come on! Don't tell That's Jim. We're also, we're also looking to get Jim Nagy in ahead of ahead of time to do some talking with him. Uh, we may coordinate with the announcement of coaching staffs as well. We'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. We got some work going on yeah. there in the background. All right. Um, there's FYI, this- for, for real quick on that on that real fast. The Texans are eligible. The Jaguars will not be oh, eligible to be senior bowl coaches because they are making a coaching change. That's right. The uh, there's um, that's that's actually the only change that's now, but. You have to have an intact um, head coach and GM returning um, to, to be a, to be considered for senior bowl coaching. You better believe that that Jim Nagy, um, who once once a Lions scout, would love to have the Lions there and um, Dan yeah. Campbell's energy there. Traverse City guy, right? Yep. I mean, and so you you've got let's see, the Jets are the ones with a shot, right? They're the, they're the, a the shot. Jets, Texans. But they're playing, um, yeah, they're playing Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. likely to get a win. They're likely to get a win. They are. Um, and uh, the other thing with the, the Giants could also technically fall into that bubble. It really sounds like they're at least changing their GM, if not their head coach, at the end of the season. So yeah, um, th- that sort of takes them out of it. Four too. wins. I mean, that means we've got to get two wins, right, for for the, the Giants to pull that one off. No problem. Let's do it. Oh man, you're making it tough. Make it happen. Make uh, it and who do they? Let's see. They're playing Philly, Chicago. They're playing Chicago and Washington. I mean, they they could they could win a game still. The Giants. And oh, I, I got to share this. The Panthers After, won't. So go, five going into last night's game, the Bears held or the the Giants held the fifth pick, and the Bears held the sixth pick. <laughs> they flipped last night because the Bears lost. But their pick goes to the Giants anyway, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. They have five and six, the Giants. It's great. So, yeah, all all things lean towards the Lions and Senior Bowl. We will be there. We've already got That's all true. our communications and, and things working there, so that should be a good show. Uh, a good week. Um, I'm arriving the 31st, Riz, through that Friday. Um, we're going to do some pre-stuff. pre, pre stuff. I know 
so I've got three people with credentials, myself being one of those three. Um, we'll, we'll, some of us are getting there on Sunday. Uh, we'll start coverage early. Uh, we'll do a little mobile tour. <laughs> uh, see if we get some smoothies on Sunday night. We'll, we'll be a smoothie king in the beer garden. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right and we'll, we'll certainly make a pit stop at Veets too. Because, oh, gosh. Uh, some Jerry, Jerry Jones buys <sighs> a drink. I've got to shift my liver around already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and we will have some uh, interesting interviews throughout we will the the plan for senior bowl is we'll have a couple of set shows but we've got some folks uh we've got some really good interviews already kind of lining up for that for that week and we will be picking some up so we will be going live on the fly a lot definitely subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell um you're going to see everything that goes down that week or at least know what happens so you can see it after the fact but i'm telling you you don't want to miss what goes down at senior bowl it's going to be a action-packed great week this is i think my fourth or fifth year, fourth year, and this is what twelve for you, Riz. See, it's twelve or thirteen. I can't keep track. Yeah. <laughs> so we got you. We got you covered. Don't worry. It'll be it'll be great stuff, and we'll have all the players there. So again, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the bell because you're going to want to know when we go live with those interviews all that week of Senior Bowl. Also, while you're here now, throw a like up there. We appreciate it by helping us out. Let's talk about Will Harris. I mean. Future, future Hall of Fame cornerback Will Harris. Mm-hmm. What the heck happened out there? I mean, can we use the word multiple? Well, man. Somebody at this the site. I don't know if I can pronounce it right. It's Lyon Suier. I think it's a French site um, by El Jefe Riston. Uh, says something about multiple, multiple about this this Will <laughs> Harris guy. What are we talking about? Is is, is he played for Matt Patricia? Oh, God. Thank God, no. Um, <laughs> Will Harris, look, anybody who's heard my voice and name Will Harris knows that I've not been kind to Will Harris in his three-plus years in Detroit, or two-plus years in Detroit. I am so happy that that guy played a great game as an outside cornerback. And as and you can look at my Twitter mentions, um, though I'd stay out of there for, for now. But uh, <laughs> there, there have been a lot of people who have recalled that when they drafted him, I said, I hope they move him to outside corner because that's where he belongs to play. One week, and it's certainly not enough of a sample size, but one week he looked better at outside corner than he had at safety in a long time. Mm-hmm. And Dan Campbell got asked a couple of different questions about Will Harris, and he laid it out without, without saying that this is what's going to happen. He said that Will Harris, look, Will Harris is under contract next year, costs $1.23 million. That's not an expensive role. He's a good guy. The team likes him. The coaches like him. The, the, the teammates like him. That, that's one of the reasons why I so desperately want to like him. He laid out the role that he can be. He's like, well, he's played slot corner for us. He's played both safety roles for us. He's played outside corner for us. Like, okay, there's your role. Like, you're not asking him to start at safety anymore. He's going to be your number three safety, your number four outside corner, your number two slot cornerback. He can play special teams. He's all those in one economically viable package. I love it. If if that's what happens with Will Harris next year, and, and right now I'm going to go on the presumption that that is what he's going to be, I welcome him back. I don't have a problem with that at all. You, if you have to pay two other guys to do that job, guess what? You're going to pay more than $1.23 million to get that done. And you might have a guy that doesn't fit the, the, the corporate culture, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So for me, Will Harris has played two really solid games for himself in the last three weeks. 
And I am, look, I, I have buried that guy. And and I, I don't feel necessarily all that bad about it because his play deserved it. You've been nice when to he him, plays, though. I mean, because he, he is so likable. Yeah. And you've, you've been very clear about him as a person versus him as a player. Yeah. And when when a guy like that, when, when a guy who's been, you know, a whipping boy, for lack of a better word, because I, you know, I've beaten on the dude and I feel bad about it because now you see why, uh, again, we talked about earlier, you see what the coaches saw, you see what the, what the old regime saw in him when they drafted him. Like you're seeing this regime find a fit for him and it might not be the role that he wanted. It might not be the role that was envisioned, but you're finding like use for a useful player that, that, that you want to do well. And and when, when I slam the guy when he does bad, I got to give him credit when he does good. He played really, really well. Justin Rogers did a nice tape breakdown. I put a couple of clips of it up on Twitter mm-hmm. um, where where he was re- he was partially responsible for that Oruwari interception because that Kyler wanted to go on Will Harris's guy, and Will had him locked down. He's like, oh, I got to go to my second look. That's that's where the hesitation came in. That's that's where Oruwari recovered enough to, to make the play. Though that's the, that's the sort of hockey assist play that Will Harris has not been capable of doing at safety. He did it at outside corner, and I am so happy to say nice things about Will Harris. He played a very good game, um, and I think we've seen the vision from from Dan Campbell of of where he's going to fit in this team in twenty twenty two. I don't disagree. I I do want to pump the brakes only because it's a single game. No one had right. film on him there. No, it, it, we'll see if people kind of figure a little yes. bit of the Will Harris piece I, out. But I, as a depth piece, I, as a multiple yeah. depth piece, I like this idea because, look, the fact is, is he could play safety. He could play, you know, um, linebacker safety. He could play um, the, the, the cornerback. And, and another team has to prepare for him at three positions. Right. I mean, so so it makes it a little more difficult, even though he can be figured out. It just gives him a lot more value as a depth player. Absolutely. And at the low cost that he is, I, I'm I'm behind you 100 uh, percent. I just want to, you know, this folks, we start thinking about, you know, cornerback. Let's just not let's see what time brings. Right. Like all of this stuff. One game doesn't tell you what this team is. It takes time and you need data. And um, we'll get it. We'll get it by the end of the year. That's that's the that's the joy of playing the young kids. We're going to get Ifiatum and Leafon back this week. Yeah. Um, that he he will be starting where Will Harris started last week. At least I hope so. At least um, that that seems to be the plan. Um, we'll we'll find out more when practice happens on Wednesday. But yeah, it's it, it's nice it's nice when a guy that you've you know bagged on for so long does something good when he's a good person and you like him yeah. um, that, that that made me happy yeah yeah 100 percent. all right um really quick we want to talk about the draft picks but i have to tell you about detroitlinespodcast.com slash store riz i wanted to show off this shirt i got the new jersey shirt that's on there it's the first shirt when you go to men's shirt it's a unisex though it is the softest most wonderful material it feels like a jersey it's like that really really Ooh. light nice material we're gonna change most of our shirts over to this this is I, I get samples ahead of time these are really really great shirts also if you go to the miscellaneous section riz yours is on the way i think it'll arrive before christmas i'm not sure we've got these killer new suitcases we got new can koozies we got all kinds of great stuff there check it out detroitlinespodcast.com slash store and if what you need isn't there go to amazon no no don't go to amazon go to detroit yeah, go to amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com, amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com, and uh, you get the same price you always do, but they'll take a little bit about a little bit of money out of Bezos' pocket and hand it over to your favorite podcast to help us fix this broken camera that you can see is just torturing us. All right, let's see. Falling out of the number one pick, 
right? There's a, and I, this is from Texas Pride 9395 in the subreddit. Oh, if we don't get the number one pick, we won't get a good player. Meanwhile, at number seven, and there's a beautiful picture of Penny Sewell there. Um, <laughs> I think folks have talked themselves into this number one Thibodeau Hutchinson concept more than they've thought more broadly about the success of the team. Would those players be great? Yeah, well, let's take them both. Yeah. Right? Why not have both of them? And we can dream, right? I, what was it? I saw somebody else say, and I don't, I can't attribute give attribution to this in the subreddit. Sorry, folks. Um, the number one overall pick is a consolation you know prize for sucking, right? If you have a team that's building like the Lions are, and you can start to get, uh, notch wins at the end of the season, you can start to see things working. You can start to see the culture coming together and working. It's much more important than a draft position two spots up the the board. I, I mean, yeah, there's a difference. Riz, there's not a gigantic drop off between one or two and three and four in this draft. I mean, there's different types of players you take, but this you're still going to get yourself a nice player, a really, really good player who's going to start on day one. Let's go back to the 2007 NFL draft, shall we? Ah, let me get my way back machine going. I don't know if I have a way back. I got this is the closest I've got to a way back noise. <laughs> The number one pick in the 2007 NFL draft was Jamarcus Russell. The number two pick was Calvin Johnson. The number three pick was Joe Thomas. Calvin's in the Hall of Fame. Joe Thomas will be in the Hall of Fame soon. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we'll just scroll down a little bit more. And Jamarcus Russell's car broke down in front of the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Adrian Peterson, the number seven pick. Marshawn Lynch, the number 12 pick. Like Patrick Willis, the number 11 pick, uh, that guy, if his career was still going, would be a Hall of Famer. Like there's there's a lot of really good players. You have to get the pick right more than the pick slot. You, you don't think that, that, that Calvin Johnson wouldn't have played well in Oakland? Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they wanted him at the end of his career. Uh, you know, you have to get it right. And and building and wins, showing that you're a good team, showing that you have players that a, a a high draft pick, not necessarily the number one pick, but a higher draft pick, can blend in with, meld with, and build with, that's a lot more important than having that number one pick. And Look, and what does that mean? Like when you when you have that kind of pick who you maybe you wind up picking fourth because you did better at the end of the season, does that help okay. your 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 uh, free agency plays. I mean, does that make you look a little bit more attractive to, I mean, it does. can you like, get more uh, talent? Like, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not going to the worst team in the league. Like, why would I, like they're the worst team in the league. Like, I think everybody's pretty well settled on that with Jacksonville now and their record finally proves it. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, okay. The Jaguars, they got number one pick last year in Trevor Lawrence. There wasn't a soul questioning that Trevor Lawrence should be the number one overall pick. And you know what? They're almost worse with him. Now, is it his fault? No, it's not. The team around him was so bad that he joined in as a number one pick, and while he's not played well, he's not the problem. He hasn't been able to elevate them. You you go back a couple years to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow went to a Bengals team that was a little bit more ready for a number one pick to join it. Uh, But but that – the, the Lions are in it's, that position. They're, they're, they're more like Cincinnati when they got Burrow. 
Um, it's they, that it's that it's that nurture thing, Riz. It's that nature versus nurture oh, thing, and landing oh, in a good spot. We talked about, when we were talking about Anthony Lynn earlier. It doesn't mean he's a bad yeah. person, a bad coach, or any of those things. It yeah. just wasn't the right spot. The nurture portion of where he landed isn't right. It's okay to separate. Trevor Lawrence with Urban, and I don't think Urban Meyer was right for anybody really in the NFL, but landed in a really, really kicker? tough slot. This is this is a little scary, I think, for for Trevor Lawrence, right? Because now he's got to have a new coach, and you don't know what the new coach, the new staff, what the fit's going to be like there. You could take a guy who is a consensus number one overall pick that nobody would have traded away for. There was no amount of treasure worth trading away for Trevor Lawrence and destroy his career. Sam Darnold is a guy I think that had something similar happen, not that caliber of Trevor Lawrence, but he landed he in a bad spot. Too. Yeah, landed in a bad spot and just got destroyed. His career got ruined because of where he got drafted. You start looking at what you know the what the spot is like. Again, free agents look at what the spot's like. They're not going to go play for Urban Meyer. They're not going to sign there if he was still coach. Uh, they're, they're looking. I for feel a team so bad for Marvin the, Jones. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> they're looking for a team that's on the rise. Right. A guy like Marvin Jones is looking for a paycheck for the last couple of years to get, you know, so he doesn't have to spend as many hours in the kitchen at nothing but cakes. But otherwise, right, it's it's you know, those kind of guys are just looking for a spot and a check. But the guys that you want on your team, the guys that you really, really want to sign that can help in the long term, maybe get a second contract out of them can really push you over the top. Those are the guys that are not going to pick a place like Jacksonville. They're going to look for that 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 neat, that nurture of a place, that place that has a fit with good coaching good compadres to work with good staff good across the board this uh this couple wins at the end of the season may may lower us a little bit on the draft as far as where we pick but the guys we sign because of it and the long-term effect is going to be far far more beneficial to this team than picking one or two slots earlier absolutely and if you want that basic spiel and a much more condescending tone read what kyle mikey wrote on m live yesterday because it is glorious I'll have to check that out. I love Kyle nailed it. He nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's look ahead to the Falcons. This is an interesting game. And I want to first and foremost say thank you to everybody who offered me. I've had offers of places to stay tickets, the whole thing. And you guys, I love you. I love you all for, you know, the show, everything you do for us and and, and listening and being part of it. But uh, I'm not going to be able to swing it. I'm not going to be able to swing the trip. I just... I have a, a dishwasher. Day after Christmas is a tough delivered. time, man, when yeah. you got children. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've got a dishwasher that took a dive. I've got work I got to do around that. It's just, it's just not lined up right. So as much as I want to, thank you, everybody. I can't be there, which doesn't necessarily bode poorly. I mean, I'm 50-50. Oh, no, I'm 100% for wins games I was at this year. Um, no, I'm not. I'm 50-50. No, you're not. You went to the for home games. Fire. <laughs> Away games are not so good. Anyway, uh, in Atlanta, we're playing the Falcons. The Falcons are a little bit of a wild card, too. They they sometimes look like they're a good team. They sometimes look like they're not so good. Matt Ryan's the kind of guy, a little bit like Matthew Stafford, can elevate a bad team to win games they don't need. Running towards the end of his career, though. Uh, what do we see in Atlanta, Riz? They have the worst pass rush in football. So if Goff comes back, one of the things that we've seen from Goff is that if you give him time, he will actually look down the field now. Thank God. Um, they don't tackle well. They have a lot of speed at linebacker, but they don't tackle well. They don't finish plays very well. Deion Jones is, is a guy that went from being, you know, uh, 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 sort of the way that Devin Bush in Pittsburgh has been, like, was really good as a rookie. And since then, he's been one of the worst players on the bad defense pretty consistently. 
that they're they are vulnerable. I'm not going to say that the Lions can go in and win this game. They are they're three point five point underdogs. That's that's probably fair. Atlanta six and eight. They're coming off of a bad loss, but they they have some interesting wins. They have one really really good cornerback. AJ Terrell has been a home run draft pick for them. The rest of their secondary is eh, I don't know, man. Um, and they they don't help them with the pass rush at all. Their offensive line is sounds like the Patricia methodology. <laughs> it, it, they really are, man. They, they they actually are built in the image of a Matt Patricia team, which is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. They have some talent, they have some ability, but they don't always play to it. Um, they have a rookie coach going as well, and Arthur Smith. I think, by and large, Falcon fans are underwhelmed, but okay with him. Uh, is the general vibe that I get. But th- this is a this is a game that the Lions can win if they play the way they did against Arizona. Oh, God, but yeah. if they come out the way they did against Minnesota or Philadelphia or Cincinnati, Atlanta can put a beat down on them. Um, and it, it's kind of weird because you got two teams that are variable, you know, growing, figuring out who's part of 2022 and beyond and who's not. And th- to, to Atlanta's credit, they are playing those guys more than they're playing the, the veteran stop gaps. Um, not that they're not doing that, but – it's 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 a tough game to predict how it's going to play out. And look, we just saw the any given Sunday with the Lions being the team that rose up, and they were overdue for a game where the ball just fell their way. Yeah. Quite frankly, um, you do make your own luck. I, I am a believer in that in the NFL. But God, it was nice to get a lot of those lucky breaks in, in the same game. <laughs> They're going to need some of those in Atlanta, but a, a confident. Lions team that runs the ball the way they have and and gets some opportunistic plays on defense the way they have, they can win this game. I'm not going to say that they will. I'm not going to be overconfident about it, but I I, I haven't made picks yet, and quite frankly, I don't know who's going to win this one. Like uh, the Lions can, the yeah. Falcons can. It's one of those where if they played if they played 99 times, it's going to be like 51 to 48, 52 47, something like that. So. Uh, um, anybody who's telling you, oh, they have no chance, or oh, they're going to roll, no, that, that that ain't the way it works this week. <laughs> yeah, my heart and head. This is another one where they're fighting each other. My head says, I want you to, I want you to win. I want you to build the culture. I want you to do all those things. My heart says, please lose. Just get us a good draft pick. Right? Just just don't don't get us even further down. And I'm, and I'm wrestling myself with myself. I get where folks are on the draft pick thing. We just talked about it. And my, my brain knows what we need to do. My heart says something else. And I just I know this is one of those ones where you just have to listen to your brain. They go out and they beat Atlanta. Look, that's OK. That's fine. They're still going to do the senior bowl. That's all I care about. But <laughs> they beat Atlanta. They're going to be in. It's, it's going to be an even better shot for them. It's going to look even better. And then after Atlanta, I mean, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult as the as the year goes on, right? I mean, you yeah, got who knows what's going on. Nobody Seattle. knows what's going on with Seattle. I mean, they've won two in a row since I crapped on them and told them that told everybody that they were the easiest win on the schedule for Detroit. Yeah, yeah. What do I know? I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well. Thank you. Seattle and the Packers <laughs> coming up. So we'll see um, this uh, God, head and heart are at a fight. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to enjoy the game and we'll have a post game show for you, even though it's the 26th. Uh, I do have to heart say versus mind a very good. Uh, I prevail album, by the way. Oh, anything from I prevail is good, though. Um, I also will say that we are doing our game preview on Thursday of this week because of the holiday. So it won't be Friday. Tony Ortiz and I will be live doing the game preview. Don't miss that. We'll tell you what to think about. Hi, Tony. Falcons game. I miss that guy. I love that guy. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. I got to tell you, Riz, I got a booze delivery on the way. 
I got to get down to my, I mean, it's just a few minutes out. I've got to get down to the door to be able to accept this booze ahead of my dishwasher delivery because <laughs> they're going to, I'm going to need both in order to get this thing installed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Help your friends, help your friends at this podcast. Go to fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com and get all your great, great materials with that. Riz, it was a great show. You did, you did wonderful today. We had fun. Thanks. Thanks for enjoying us on an early afternoon. Um, it worked out very well for us uh, scheduling wise. Um, for those of you who are watching this later, um, we might be doing this again next week too. <laughs> yeah. <a> warning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that is how it will fly. Riz, I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you for everything uh, uh, and getting set up this, this year. This we is got Christmas going on. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody. Enjoy it. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your loved ones. Enjoy your pets. Do, do right by people. Do good things. And, uh, Get through. Look, we we've had a rough year. Let, let's celebrate and enjoy and and love that we are loved. And let's face it, we've got a Christmas that we get to celebrate after we beat one of the top teams in the NFL. Ride that. Be happy. Enjoy it. All right. Remember, don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. You know, you can donate every month, put a little something in our stocking, and you'll get access to the Slack, which is by far 100% the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet, period, and 100%. You're going to love it. There's different channels for everything, but the Lions chat is absolutely great. Also, follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast. That's DET Lions Podcast. And at Jeff Risden. There you go. Give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast on one word, or call us in the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com and subscribe to the podcast. That way, we can... We can come into your ear holes automatically. Mm, Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, but all kinds of reindeer, because we are your Detroit Lions and Reddit Connection. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.